The story is told of four high school boys who couldn't resist the temptation to skip morning classes. Each had been smitten with a bad case of spring fever. After lunch, they showed up at school and reported to the teacher of the class that they had missed in the morning that their car had a flat tire. Much to their relief, she smiled and said, well, you missed a major test this morning. So please take your seats and get out paper and pencil. Still smiling, she waited as they settled down and got ready for her question. Then she said, on the piece of paper in front of you, please write which tire was flat. (laughs) When regard for truth has been broken down or even slightly weakened, all things will remain doubtful. A quote from Augustine. Or Austin O'Malley says, a lie has no legs. It requires other lies to support it. If you tell one lie, then you are forced to tell others to back it up. Those that think it is permissible to tell white lies soon grow colorblind. The Bible tells us that God gave Adam and Eve every tree to eat from except the one. And Genesis tells us that there were plenty of other good trees to eat from. But in Genesis 2 and 9, I'm sure we're all familiar with it, where it says, And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for the food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So if that were true, if Adam and Eve had all these other trees to eat from, then why did they eat of the fruit that was forbidden? It would be easy to say that the devil made them do it. But definitely it's more than that. Eve chose to disobey God. And so did Adam. When Satan talked to her, he may have talked her into it, but she knew what God had said. She knew that God didn't want her or Adam to eat of that tree. She knew God had said that those that ate of that tree would be forced to death. But she chose to eat of that tree anyway. She made bad choices. And that's what we'd like to look at this morning. The title of our sermon this morning is The Danger of Telling a Lie. Genesis 3, verses 1 through 3. Again, the situation I'm sure we're all familiar with. It tells us that the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said that you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. You know, once you get used to the idea that you think, as humans, that we can improve on God's word, 
When we believe that we can change what is said and what God wants us to do, when we accept that we can tinker with God's will for our life, then it gets easier to improve on other things that God has commanded too, isn't it? There once was a preacher who was something of a cut-up, people say, on stage. He mentioned once that in English class, they taught him that using two negatives in a sentence made a positive sentence. Now, if you think about this for a moment, a common phrase I hear many people say, they ain't got nothing. And if you think about that, if you ain't got nothing, you got something. And that was the logic that he used. So he said, well, since that is true, then the way he figured it, if he knew he was lying, and God knew he was lying, then he was really telling the truth. Mm -hmm. But there are people that may think that. There is a list of 10 famous American lies that we call fibs. The check is in the mail. I'll start my diet tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I think I've used that a few times. Give me your number and the doctor will call you right back. One size fits all. Your luggage isn't lost. It's only misplaced. This hurts me more than it's going to hurt you. Boy, my dad was in a lot of pain when I was growing up. I just need five minutes of your time. Open wide. It won't hurt a bit. Let's have lunch sometime. And it's not the money. It's the principle. Lying seems to be a way of life for many people. We lie at the drop of a hat. The book uh, called The Day America Told the Truth says that 91% of those surveyed lie routinely about matters that they consider trivial. 35% lie about important matters. 86% lie regularly to their parents. 75% lie regularly to their friends. And 73% lie to their siblings. And 69% lie to their spouses. A store manager heard his clerk tell a customer, no ma'am, we haven't had any of that for a while. And it doesn't look as if we'll be getting any soon. Horrified, the manager came running over to the customer and said, of course, we'll have some soon. We placed an order last week. Then the manager drew the clerk aside. Never, he snarled. Never, never, never say that we're out of anything. Say, we've got it on order, and it's coming. Now, out of curiosity, what was it that she wanted? The clerk looked at the manager and said, rain. Spouses lie to one another in the name of keeping the peace. Parents lie to their own children. We know, and vice versa. Employers and employees have to stretch the truth at times they feel. Advertisers, we know, lie to sell products. They always talk about, you're as good as a used car salesman. Now, there are some very good used car salesmen, but many times they have to do that to sell their product. Politicians lie in order to spin things their way. 
But the Lord included the subject of lying in one of the Ten Commandments of the Old Testament. Thou shall not lie. And I believe he takes this sin very seriously. In the New Testament, we can read the following. In Revelation 21 and 8. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexual immorality, immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. We continue to read in Revelation 22, 15, the very last chapter of Revelation 15, right before the end. How would you summarize the whole word of God? In verse 15, it says, but outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and adulterers and whoever loves, whoever loves and practices a lie. Mark Twain said, a lie can travel halfway around the world while truth is still lacing up her boots. It's natural to lie. I knew that in my math classroom, it's funny how I loved math because you knew the truth. There was no opinion about it. There was a direct answer and your answer, you know, led you, you should show the steps that justified it and so on. And I didn't make it up. I could just say, you know, was it my opinion? Uh, like in English, I, I never knew where the teacher wanted you to start off. And I'm not going against English. Don't get me wrong. It's very important. But, but it was to me an opinion of did they like the style you wrote or whatever. Math, straightforward. You either prove it, you can't prove it. And there was times that, unfortunately, I didn't like it when I was proven wrong. The students could come back and, you know, you give an answer and the students could Mr. Hall, I think you should check that. And sadly enough, they could go right down and say, oh, you're okay. I, I have to apologize. You're right. I, the answer should be such and such. But Mark Twain brought around that whole idea that a, think about that, a lie can travel all the way around the world while the truth is still sitting there trying to lace up her boots. We think about tabloids. People love gossip. Lying is easy, but the truth is oftentimes hard. Are you known personally to be an honest person, a truly honest person? Or do people have to question you and wonder about your genuineness? Do you have a reputation as a liar? Or do people know that what you say is the truth? Is your word as good as your signature, as they say. Do you do what you say you will do? Do you tell the truth even when it will cost you something? The Bible has a lot to say about lying. Our text this morning is found in Proverbs chapter six, but you'll see I'll use a variety of verses. But the main verse that I'm looking at is Proverbs chapter six, verses 16 to 22. I find it interesting the way this starts off. There are a list of what you would say, seven things that the Lord hates. But when you start to read verse 16 of Proverbs 6, it says, these six things, these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, 
Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that are swift and running to evil. A false witness who speaks lies. And one who sows discord among brethren. My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. And when you awake, they will speak with you. Abraham Lincoln was quoted as saying the following. You can fool some of the people all of the time and all of the people some of the time. But you cannot fool all of the people all of the time. In my last quote, a poet said, you can fool the public and be a secret fraud. You can try to hide your lying, but you can't fool God. In the final quote, what upsets me is not that you lied to me, but that from now on, I can no longer believe you. You think about that. With your closest friends, who is your closest friend? A lot of times people will say their closest friend is the one that you know you can trust to keep whatever you say to them. You know that they'll keep it in contrary, you know, and it's just between you and them, and they can relate to you. And you think about the pain of that. What upsets me the most is not the lie you told me, but that from now on I can no longer believe that you will keep it. The origin of lying. Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees in John chapter 8 and verse 44. In John 8, 44, speaking to the Pharisees, he says, you are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father will ye do. He has a murderer from the beginning, or he was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and the father of it. So, we're a lot like Satan when we lie. Almost every time we see the devil in Scripture, we know that he's lying. The first time we see Satan in the Bible was in Genesis chapter 3 that we referred to. He lies about God to man. Satan lies about the truthfulness that God has given. Have God said? Questioning God's word is skating on thin ice. Satan lies about the righteousness of God. You shall not surely die. In other words, he's saying, God won't judge you for your sin. Satan lies about the goodness of God. God is trying to keep back from you the good things. The next time Satan appears in the Bible is in the book of Job. This time, he's in the courts of heaven. And he's lying about man now to God. Satan lying about man to God, he says, the only reason Job obeys you is because you're good to him. What a lie. To Adam and Eve, he says that God isn't good enough. And now he's saying that God is too good. We see Satan again at the crucifixion. This time he lies to man, knowing that the man will then lie about Jesus. He put in the hearts of many to bear false witness against Jesus 
in that kangaroo court they put together. In Genesis, he uses a lie to corrupt godly people. In Job, he uses a lie to criticize a good man. In the New Testament, he uses a lie to crucify the Son of God. In Revelation, he embodies the Antichrist, who tells a lie so big, so believable to many, that it brings about the end of the world. So from the beginning to the end, Satan is a liar. And we, and when we lie, we align ourselves with everything that brings death, destruction, doom, and damnation to this world. Sin is what leads to death. And that sin was brought about by a lie. So don't take lying lightly. There's no such thing as a little white lie. We know that God is truth, and everything less than truth is a sin. Second, the operation of lying. Lying has many faces. Lying has many children in its family, as you would say. I'd like to just quickly mention five ways that people often lie without even thinking about it. First is slander. Slander is lying with the intention of doing harm to another's reputation. In Psalm 101, verse 5, Psalm 101, verse 5, it says, Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. The one who has a haughty look and a proud heart, him will I not endure. So some sins are worth, or worse, I should say, than others in terms of damage done. If I steal from you, I can return the item back to you. But if I spread lies about you, I may not be able to ever undo the far-reaching effects that those lie words planted. There was a man who spread lies about his neighbor. And one day, he repented, and he asked the minister how he could make it right. The minister told him to get some feather pillows and rip them open and place one feather on every porch throughout the community. It seemed strange, but the man did what he was told. He went back to the preacher and said, I have now placed a feather on every step in the community. The preacher says, well, you're not done. Now I want you to go back and pick up all the feathers. The man froze for a moment and says, but I can't do that. The wind has taken them who knows where, to which the minister said, so it is with the words that you have spoken about your neighbor. When we slander someone's reputation, we do irreparable damage. And we'll have to answer to God for it. Second is talebearers, the person that loves to tell things. They share news, but they don't care if the facts are correct or not. This is gossip. There are rumors. They spread it. Please don't be like that. I'm sure that there's people that you say, well, you can't tell so-and-so anything, which is basically saying that they are a tale bearer, that they must tell others about that situation. Please don't repeat that. Don't repeat gossip. 
try to stop others from doing it also. Because we see in 1 Timothy, New Testament, 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 13, and besides, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but also gossipers and busybodies, saying things which they ought not. And Leviticus, Old Testament, Leviticus 19 and 16, you shall not go about as a talebearer among your people, nor shall you take a stand against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. Next time we that we are enjoying listening to someone gossip, remember this fact, please. That anyone who will gossip to you will also gossip about you. Third is flattery, which is an insincere praise. Saying something to someone's face that you would never say behind their back. Salesmen are often bad at this. We know kids are too. Think about your children. Most have learned to compliment you before they ask you a favor or compliment you before they hand you the report card or, or something or ask you for money or something along those lines. We know that in Psalms 55 and verse 21, the words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. When someone starts buttering you up, remember that they are probably about to have you for lunch. Fourth are half-truths, not telling the whole story. A parent asks their teen where they're going. To Andy's house. Well, that's true. But they leave out where they're going after that. You break the spirit of law when you do this. And I will confess to you, this is something that I have done most of my life. To avoid a situation, I just don't give the whole truth. Sometimes, you know, I've even said, well, you know, like my grandkids say, well, why didn't you tell Mama, blah, 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 that you did whatever? And I'll say, well, if she asked me, I will have to tell the truth. And what am I really saying? I only have told the truth. If you don't ask me, and I remember saying that to students. I remember saying that to students in class. If you don't want to know the truth, then don't ask. And basically, what are you saying? You're not sharing the whole truth. Why in the courtroom, and it made me think about this, why in the courtroom they say, do you tell a promise to tell the truth, the whole, whole truth, and nothing but the truth? And that's what I'm thinking. They are asking you to tell the whole truth. You only don't tell the part of it. You tell the whole truth. So that is something I make, need to make sure I work on, that when I tell the truth, that I'm not, I'm not lying to you. I better tell the whole truth, though, and not just part of the truth. Excuses. They're just dressed up lies, aren't they? The origin is Satan. The operation of lying, it comes from many forms. Now, how do we overcome lying, you would ask? Every negative command can be reworded positively. For instance, thou shalt not commit adultery could be rephrased, thou shalt be sexually pure. You could say today, thou shalt tell the truth. And the truth is the very character and nature of God. Jesus said, what? 
I am the way, the truth, and the light. He called the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth. The truth shall set us free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So how do we overcome lying? One, love the truth. There is a heart change. David spoke of truth in the inward parts. You see, a person is not a liar because they tell lies. They tell lies because they are a liar. We need to make an inward change. Second Thessalonians 2 and 10. And with all unrighteousness, deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. We need to learn the truth. Philippians 4 and 8. What does it tell us? I'm sure this is a verse we're all familiar with. Philippians 4 and 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So we need to saturate our mind with good things, like the word of God. The truth sets us free. It's how Jesus defeated Satan in the wilderness. It is written. It is written. With the truth of scriptures is what we use to combat Satan. And we need to live the truth. Ephesians 4 and 25 Ephesians 4.25 tells us, Therefore, putting away lying, let each of you speak truth with his neighbor. So we need to be accountable to others. We need to be open to others. And we need to stop the gossiping, the slander. We need to immediately confess, immediately correct, and immediately commit ourselves to the truth. Right now, Satan wants to sell you a lie. Don't fall for it like Adam and Eve. He tells you what? We are told often there is no God. We are told there is no heaven. We are told there is no hell. The worst one is there is no hurry. You have plenty of time. Time, time, time enough you let yet. But we know in Hebrews, Chapter 3, verses 12, 13, 14, and 15. Hebrews 3, 12 through 15. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another and another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. In conclusion, my final verse, or verse is Acts 2, 36 through 38. It tells us, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you have crucified, 
God has made him both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? They realized when they were chanting just a little bit before that, let his blood be upon us and our children. And now they're told that this was the Christ, that God had sent them for their salvation. Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So we must not lie to God. We need to admit our sins and be baptized. We know that is what God has asked us to do. And we realize that it is that blood that we come in contact with that washes away our sin. We are asked a question in our invitation song. Are you washed in the blood? If not, we encourage you to come forward this morning. If you have taken these steps but need the prayers of the congregation, we encourage you to come forward and make your life right while we sing the song of invitation.